Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Leighton Hewitt, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast on Ladies Finals Day, a day in which Serena Williams has won her 21st Grand Slam singles title. She stands just one short now of Steffi Graf, three behind Margaret Court. Is she the greatest player of all time? We might be asking the same today about Roger Federer as he goes for his 18th Grand Slam singles title against the current world number one, Novak Djokovic. And we are going to preview that as well here on the Tennis Podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph. We're supported by BNP Paribas, the bank for a changing world. And alongside myself and Catherine Whitaker today is Daniel Schofield from The Telegraph. Daniel, how are you doing? Very well. And yourself? I'm very well indeed. Simon Briggs at the moment is off for a round table, they call it. That means they get round a round table and they talk to Serena Williams, who's won the title here, and Catherine Whitaker. It was competitive. It was a great start, particularly for Garbina Muguruza, but she couldn't finish it off. She, she, yeah, well, she came. It was more than a great start. It was a great start, a dodgy middle, a very good third act, and then a, a predictable fourth act. Um, but she deserves significant credit, I think. Uh, Serena was full of praise for her in her post match interviews, um, and I think she. Um, she showed a bit more, particularly in that second set, than people were expecting of her. And I think that's really important. She showed what she's made of in glimpses. And uh, I think that's great. And uh, she deserves an enormous amount of credit. But it's Serena's day, isn't it? It's, it's, it's all about Serena. She's amazing. Serena Williams is amazing. That is 21 Grand Slam titles. She now holds the, in inverted commas, Serena Slam for the second time, all four at the same time. She could complete the calendar slam with victory in six weeks to eight weeks' time at the US Open. The woman, there's no stopping her. There certainly isn't any stopping her. Is there anybody betting against her completing the Grand Slam in uh, in August, September? I don't. I don't think so. I think we could probably just go and do a straw poll now, and everybody would be predicting her to do that, and completely deservedly. I mean, I'd love to see what her odds are of doing that because, I mean, the shortest odds of anything ever in sport, probably. Um, and uh, yeah, I, 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 she. What can I add to what you said? She is incredible. That serve digs her out of trouble doesn't it because the nerves start to come in don't they late on when she's building towards another Grand Slam title and then suddenly as John Inverdale joins us here on the Tennis Podcast how are you doing today John? I'm very well thank you very much. And uh, what have you been up to today? I've been commentating on um, Serena Williams against Garbina Muguruza. Which is good timing really because we've just been talking about uh, her and her incredible 21st Grand Slam singles title she the greatest sing- female athlete you've ever seen? You've seen a lot. I think what would be fascinating would be if you could get Steffi Graf at her prime, in her prime, and Serena Williams in her prime, and you know, in some, some extraordinary computer-generated way of time travel, 
and actually have them playing against each other. And uh, I don't know. I think it'd be fascinating. I think Serena might win, but I think it'd be very, very close. Come on, John, you can sort this out, surely. No, no, well, well, yes, well, <laughs> of course, obviously, BBC budgets being what they are, we could obviously afford to organise all that. Um, I, but I just think it would be really, really interesting. And I, but I think, from my, from my memory, and that's, this is the trouble, it's, it's, you know, it's the years go by, you, you do forget. From my memory, Steffi Graf would never have served three double faults in an opening game of a match because she just didn't have that... That, 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 that idiosyncrasy sometimes to throw in a really bad game or two. So against Steffi Graf, if you threw in three double faults, you'd lose that set because she'd close it out. So, I'd, so, it, it would, you know, I'd, so I think the result of that match, this hypothetical match, would actually almost depend entirely on Serena. And if Serena was at her best, she, you know, I think she'd probably win it. But if she was just off her best fractionally, I think Steffi would win probably most of the time. Let us know what you think at Tennis Podcast. Who would win out of Steffi Graf and Serena Williams, both at their best? 22 Grand Slam titles, plays 21. Just before you go, John, I know we've just roped you into the Tennis Podcast here as you were merrily going along on your way. I was actually on my way to the bar. Were you? Well, (laughs) all the more reason for us to grab you before you go and uh, get into that. Uh, Who's going to win tomorrow? Well, I think... it's, it's, It's interesting because... It's funny how every, everybody sort of, um, what's the word, uh, uh, re, um, re, reinvents what, they, what they've been saying all fortnight. It's, I mean, I've we been, do that on a daily basis. Yeah, I know, but I've, I've been talking to loads of people who were saying, well, I've, I've actually changed my mind um, that, uh, that most people in the, in the BBC kind of commentators room were all saying, all week, all fortnight we've been talking about Djokovic, we've been going for Djokovic. But now I've got a funny feeling for Federer. They're all kind of saying that. I'm going to go the other way, actually. I, uh, all week... I thought the winner of Murray and Federer might actually win it. But actually now I'm going for Djokovic. John Invidal. Does that make sense? We found someone going for Djokovic. How fortuitous that you happen to walk up because I've not found anyone all day. Real. I went for Djokovic yesterday. Did you? Oh. Yes, I did. Listen to the podcast, Catherine Whitaker. Don't just appear on it and then don't, not listen to it. Don't you think that actually Federer played so brilliantly, like so, so, so brilliantly, he cannot surely play that well again tomorrow? Isn't that the, isn't that the key stumbling block? But he can afford to play not quite that well and still win, I think. I think he was so good yesterday. I think he could be one gear down from that and probably still win. He's playing Novak Djokovic, the world number one, Catherine. It's not just some random. He's pulled him from the park, you know. And that serve, you know, what is it, two breaks of serve since the first round of Haller or something. I mean, it is, you know, amazing. Andy, Andy Roddick was, was banging on this afternoon about percentages of this, that, and the other, and blow, and you know, Andy Murray, Andy Murray served 74% first serves yesterday and lost in straight sets. I mean, if, if you'd said before the match yesterday, Andy Murray is going to serve 74% of first serves, you'd say, well, he's going to win in four, possibly even three. The fact that he lost in three just tells you, A, how well Roger's returning, but also how impregnable his serve is. So, you know, I'm talking against myself here now, but I've just got a funny feeling, actually, that the, the way that Djokovic that was an unbelievable mortal blow that he suffered at Roland Garros. I think he will be quadruply, octagonally more determined to not let it happen at Wimbledon. Uh, and just, just finally, before we let you go to the bar, as you've been trying to do for about the last 10 minutes, uh, what have you made of Andy Roddick behind the microphone? He's been excellent. I mean, really, really excellent. And I, this is not to belittle anybody else, but I think that the, you know, the game, all sports move on at such a rate 
and you can have been a champion 20 years ago and the sport can almost be unrecognisable to the one that you played. 10 years ago, it will have changed hugely. So to have somebody who, you know, was playing a, a men's singles funnel here just a couple of years or so ago, I think is a, a huge addition in terms of expertise, in terms of inside track, and a, a, just a complete understanding of how the game is played now as opposed to how it was what might seem fairly recently, but actually in sporting terms, in, deve- in development, developmental terms, is almost like several eras, you know. So I think he's been a, been a fantastic signing. And you've been a fantastic signing for the Tennis Podcast over the last seven minutes. Well, Thank you very well, much, I Sean. Think, I think the, pro- the word but the word signing implies a fee. <laughs> okay, well, let's uh, see you later. Uh, John Invidal there here on the Tennis Podcast. Thanks for his time. Daniel Schofield, we've just had you standing here uh, <laughs> listening to that. Do apologise. Wasn't expecting that. However, very nice to hear from him, wasn't it? Um, what do you think about what he said? Do you agree with him, Djokovic, tomorrow? You've, you've covered a couple of his matches this week. I have, and he's not necessarily been at his best. I think he would probably admit that. But I think probably the most important thing to look at isn't necessarily at Wimbledon. It's the record in finals, and six of the last nine, he's getting to them, but he's not closing them out. And that, particularly after what happened at the French not so long ago, that, that's probably the most important uh, factor going into the final. So you've got who? I've got... Federer in my heart, I think the longer it goes on, if, if Djokovic can get a fourth or fifth set, it, it shifts entirely in his favour. Yeah. I, I share your thoughts. I do think Federer could win in four still. I re- remember back, what was it, two years ago, three years ago, three years ago, wasn't it the year that Federer won the title here? They faced each other in the semi-finals and Djokovic then was world number one. They split the first two sets and then Federer just roared back and managed to win the next two. I remember commentating on that match. I think he's got plenty in the tank for that. I, I share your view, Daniel, that if it goes into a fifth and if it gets... Re- but the same as I've thought about Andy Murray. I thought if they could go into the trenches, I thought eventually Andy Murray's physical fitness would, would, would be supreme. But Roger Federer just didn't allow that, Catherine. I'm afraid I entirely agree. I do think he can win a four. I really do. He's not expended too much uh, wasted energy getting to this point. So I think he's got enough to win in four. Once it gets to five, I would start to be slightly more concerned for him. But I don't think four is a worry. I just think uh, Craig O'Shaughnessy, a, uh, an, an analyst, a sort of a very technical analyst of the game, who's working with us at, at live at Wimbledon, he has an ex- extremely technical, statistical pr- approach to the game. And more often than not, he's 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 bang on. I know uh, Matt Solander has a lot of time for his insights, and uh, he said he would put his mortgage on Federer winning tomorrow. Honestly, he said he would put his Did mortgage on. Did you get that in writing? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know whether he actually has put his mortgage on it, but uh, he said it was that nailed on. That is very interesting, and I think that that is a very brave, possibly something else, thing to say. I wouldn't put any money on this at all. It's, <laughs> I think as soon as they walk out, the the... All odds go out the window. It, and the crowd will also have a big impact. Federer has obviously slain the, the Prince of Wimbledon, but I think sentimentally everyone will want him to get that eighth title. And the noise last year was extraordinary in that final, wasn't it? And Novak has to be able to block that out because 
he hasn't always liked it, has he? I tell you what else. Well, no, uh, on that point, he, he's more than not liked it. I think it really gets to him. And I think it could get to him tomorrow. I think the crowd will be monumentally in Federer's favour, even more so than crowds always are in Federer's favour because of the romance of this story. I think it will be overwhelming. I mean, you say Federer in your heart, Daniel. I mean, pretty much everybody, even fans, admirers of Djokovic, have Federer in their heart for this, don't they? Um, so I think Djokovic is going to struggle with that. I really do. I think he does struggle with it. He might try and look like he's not, but I think internally he will. He's got that slight chip on his shoulder of why am I not adored like Federer and Nadal? Why, why, why do I not get... And it, it's a bit like what I was saying with Serena. I think he's respected in the way, in an, in a, an appropriate amount, in the way that he deserves, but he's not adored. Um, and I think that will be reflected in the crowd response tomorrow. But one thing, else, one other thing we should be talking about is the weather forecast, because there's a very big chance that the roof will feature in this match. And Federer is still the best indoor player in the world, is he not? Is he? Who keeps winning the O2? Yeah, but I, okay. So he's he's the best player in the world under this centre court roof. I think I, I I just can't see how that doesn't favour Federer. Maybe not as much as it it swung things in that 2012 final, but I do think it's an extra few percent in Federer's in Federer's corner. I'm, I don't want to be pedantic here, but I'm going to be. Uh, you know how you say that Novak Djokovic isn't adored. Okay, he isn't adored maybe on the grand universal scale that Roger Federer is, but those that love Novak Djokovic are absolutely die-hard fans of his. He does have a pocket of support, and globally has a, a large pocket of support. It is going to be drowned out. Of that, there is no question. But, you know, I think... I feel a bit sorry for him in a way. I feel a bit sorry for anybody being compared with Roger Federer. I was, I was just thinking this morning when I was wandering in, into work today about the effect that Federer has on people. And, and in our, a couple of articles I've read this week, Daniel, where people have talked about how they've, they follow Federer, they turn to Federer almost like a religion when they're going through a really tough moment in their life. That's the sort of uplifting impact that he can have. Have you ever, have you ever come across that in any sport before? Off the top of my head, no. There's, I think there's a New York Times article from a couple of years ago entitled Watching Federer is Like in a Religious Experience. And that's written by someone who's American and who should be so technically in supporting their countrymen. But people just love... It's not even love, it's a sort of... A calling almost for just the pure artistry that he represents it's beyond just being a tennis player he's he's on that sort of pantheon even above Nadal and and, and Djokovic no matter how many slams they win and the thing is I actually took chance to watch the highlights of it back this morning because I hadn't seen it other than through my own eyes, through the commentary box window. I hadn't heard the commentary. I hadn't heard, seen it from that television angle that you get to see it. And to watch it back, I, I, I felt uplifted by it, even though I wasn't supporting him. I wasn't supporting either player. I was just watching it. But to watch this man, nearly 34 years of age, two years older than Pete Sampras was when he retired, eight years older than Bjorn Borg was when he retired, someone who's you know really taken a few body blows over the last few years and been knocked about by Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic to see him on the end of Andy Murray's best shots 
and just doing what he does, these these extravagant, beautiful strokes, dismissing the challenge of Andy Murray in straight sets. I mean, unless you're Andy Murray or his family or his friends or his very biggest supporters, how could you not be in some way uplifted by that? I did exactly the same this morning and I felt exactly the same. It, 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 it affects you or it affected me in in a way that tennis matches really have. I think when I watched that replay of, of Ivan Izovic against Rafter that I mentioned, the BBC showed a couple of weeks ago, I think I probably felt that way then, but that was perhaps slightly different. That was because of the occasion and the, the story behind Goran's victory. But, I mean, talking about the that effect that Federer has on people, my brother's going to hate me for this, but he is a very normal, measured, logical uh uh, not a fanboy type person and he has that effect on my brother I mean his knees go weak just at the mere mention of Roger Federer he has had a t-shirt made with the words what would Roger do and Federer's face on it you didn't need to tell me that <laughs> I did I did because I know he listens and uh, the world needs to know about that but I mean that's I mean I you've got to trust me that he's a normal bloke and he's walking around with a t-shirt saying what would Roger do on it that's that's the effect he has on people. He's a normal bloke, but he has a Christmas card list with one fewer name on it. Catherine Whittaker is not getting one this year. Daniel? I was just going to make the point that Catherine's already said that Serena, in terms of accomplishments, has surpassed Roger, but she just does not inspire that same following, that same love. Harsh, isn't it? It is, and it's. I, I, I still think that... Uh, Serena Williams' achievements are vastly underrated. I don't think the word female needs to be put in front of her name when it comes to the greatest athlete of all time. What she has achieved, and particularly uh, coming back from so many uh, bouts of adversity, should put her in that discussion. Female, male, it doesn't matter. But she does not does not inspire that love that Featherer does. That, And I don't can't necessarily explain that. I don't know if that's just the artistry of Federer that makes people love him the way they do, but it, it, it does seem incredibly harsh that should Roger Federer win tomorrow, the noise will probably be five, six times as loud as when Serena won today. It's a bit like matchmaking, isn't it? You can put all the coordinates into the, the website and you can come up with your blind date, but if there's no chemistry... It's not going to work. It, absolutely. And I was in Serena's press conference tonight and she was utterly charming. She was probably as natural um, and as herself as I've ever seen her be, as you might expect in this moment. She, she was completely won over everyone in the room. She had them in the palm of her hands. So she does have that in her. I don't think it's a lack of... It's obviously not a lack of personality thing. It's not a lack of sentimental backstory thing. I mean, she's got all the backstory you could ever wish for. It's As you say, it's just... Uh, an impalpable, intangible chemistry, isn't it? And and she just doesn't have it with crowds on that huge scale in the way that Federer does. And no one does. No, nobody does. Uh, and I I would include other all other sports in that, as far as I'm concerned. And I think it's a really important point you made about the qualification of female in front of her name. Just doesn't need doesn't need to be there. She's one of the greatest athletes of all time. End of story. Who's going to win the final, Catherine? Well, as uh, somebody somebody has told me, somebody who I respect and trust has said he would put his mortgage on Federer today. So I don't feel that confident about it, but I do think Federer is winning it. How many sets? 
I think he could do it in three. There you go, Federer in three. I'm going Federer in four. You've been listening to the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. We are supported by BNP Paribas, the bank for a changing world. Go to The Telegraph website, read the previews, put a few hours aside, get into the final. It's coming up tomorrow on Sunday from Wimbledon. The world number one, Novak Djokovic, against Roger Federer, arguably the greatest tennis player of all time. We'll see who wins, and we'll see you tomorrow. 